What is up guys and welcome to Reconciled Revival. I am your host Kyle. This is episode 3, Into the Light. Today we're going to be talking about Jesus' first actions following his temptation in the wilderness. I hope you enjoy the show and once again we're going to have a scripture reading and then we'll get into it. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Today's scripture reading comes from the book of Matthew chapter 4 verse 12. Now when he heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee, and leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea, in territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. The land of Zebulun, and the land of Naphtali, the way above the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who dwelled in the darkness has seen a great light, and those who dwelled in the regions in the shadows of death, on them a light dawned. From that time Jesus began to preach, Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. These are the words of our Lord. Let's give it up for the girls. Um, I gave them some really hard words this week in this week's scripture reading, and they did an amazing job. Girls, thank you so much. Now let's get into that scripture reading. So in the book of Matthew, chapter 4, verse 12 through 17, we see here that Jesus has learned that John the Baptist has been arrested. Um, He's leaving Nazareth, where he was raised, and he's going into Capernaum, which is in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali. Um... So, in order to kind of understand this part of Scripture in totality, I think we really have to focus on the prophecy by Isaiah from 700 years prior. And the thing about Zebulun and Naphtali, and we see Isaiah say it, is that the people there are dwelling in darkness, and it's a region of shadow and death. So, what made Zebulun and Naphtali so terrible? Well, it had come under contempt from God. We learn that in Isaiah 9.1. It's come, come under contempt from God, and I don't know exactly why, but it could be the fact that Zebulun and Naphtali were two of the twelve sons of Jacob, the brother of Joseph, who was sold into slavery in Egypt because his brothers hated him. So I don't know if that had something to do with it, but it may have. But anyway, so the people of Zebulun and Naphtali, they were in a really bad location, so to say, because so Zebulun and Naphtali are in far northern Israel. And on one side of them, you have the Sea of Galilee. And on the other side, you have the Arabian Desert. So whenever a foreign army or foreign party wanted to come into Israel from the north, they would always pass through the area of Zebulun and Naphtali. And up north you have the Babylonians and the Assyrians. And if you've read much of the Old Testament, you know the Babylon was a huge persecutor of Israel. So these foreign troops were constantly coming through the area to go into Israel and then back through the area to get out of Israel. And Zebulun and Naphtali was still part of Israel. So you can imagine that the forces there weren't too accommodating whenever they would pass through. Um, And that is why we see him say that they lived in the land of shadow and of death. Bunch of terrible stuff happened there, those people. And they really, 
didn't see a way out. They were a doormat, and people were just passing through, wrecking their towns, treating them terribly, and they didn't really see a way out. But the beautiful thing here from the prophecy of Isaiah is that a light has dawned on them. But what exactly was Isaiah talking about when he mentioned this light dawning on the people of Zebulun and Naphtali? Let's take a look at John 1.4, where John's describing Jesus. And he says, In him was life, and the life was the light of man. And in John 8.12, Jesus himself says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So, let's break that last bit down there, but we'll have the light of life. The thing that's weird about this light that's now walking into Zebulun and Naphtali is it's not like a normal light that me and you were accustomed to, that you shine it, it illuminates something, and then when you turn it, that thing is no longer illuminated. The saving light of Jesus is a light that once it shines on you, it shines through you, and you become a beacon of hope for the people who are in darkness or dwelling in the land of shadow and death so when jesus walks in we see a lot of great things happen in this land of zebulun and naphtali um jesus was raised there in nazareth we have his capernaum preaching and miracles he walked on water and had the miraculous catching of the fish in the Sea of Galilee. And he calmed the Sea of Galilee when he calmed the storm. So we see that even though this area had been brought into contempt by God, he had now given them, given them a light. And I think that's the beautiful part from Isaiah 9-1 where it says, But there will be no gloom for her who is in anguish. And he was talking about the people of Zebulun and Naphtali. That there would be no gloom for those in anguish now that they had this light so what do you think of when you think of light uh, me personally i know i'm not willing to not willing to admit that i'm afraid of much but i will tell you that if i'm outside and it's dark out and you know it's one of those nights where we don't have much moon and there's something rustling in the bushes i'm quick to bust out that cell phone and turn on that flashlight um I don't like being in the darkness alone by myself like that. It's really uneasy. And I really felt that. Me and my wife took a trip and we went to Mammoth Cave and did this like two-hour cave tour. And towards the end of the tour, we weren't close to the opening yet, but towards the end of the tour, the tour guide stopped us and gathered the whole group of like 20 or so of us around. And he turned off the walkway lights inside the cave. And then he turned off his flashlight to show us how dark it would be down in the cave with no light source. And it was uneasy to say the least. Like that internal gut feeling of just kind of fear kind of takes over. Um, and then he flicked on a Zippo lighter to show us how much influence a little bit of light would have in an area that was that dark. And I'm not saying that Jesus was like a Zippo heading into this darkness. Jesus was the light, the one light heading into this area of darkness. And you can see through all the works and everything that happened here, the amount of light he put into this region of shadow and death. So where does that leave us today? When we look at this 
and we see Jesus walking into Zebulun and Naphtali, how does how does that impact us today? Well, that light that walked into Galilee that we're reading about right here, the light that Isaiah had talked about 700 years prior, that light still shines. People are still letting that light shine through them. And whenever we find ourselves cloaked in darkness and we receive the saving light that is Jesus, He shines through us. And that allows us to do so many things. But I really want to cover two today. It allows us to shine His light on others. And it ensures we never face darkness alone again. We become a beacon for the broken and the people living in the region of shadow and death. Because while Jesus came in and took care of that region, while he was here, we still all go through regions and seasons of shadow and death. And a lot of times when these times of darkness fall on us, I know I'm... I'm myself guilty. I know all of us are guilty, pretty much. Whenever something bad happens, a lot of times our knee-jerk reaction, our first reaction is to turn to God and say, Why? Why would you allow this to happen? What is wrong? I mean, in the book of Habakkuk, we see Habakkuk, who's the king of Israel, ask God why and ask him if he's holy. That's how much he's questioning God at that moment. But I almost feel like it's a testament of our faith whenever we question God like that. It's not that we're doubting God. We're giving we're giving him acknowledgement that he is our way out. And us asking why is a desperate act whenever we face extreme tribulation, face extreme struggle. And I don't want you to feel bad about that. I don't want that to be something that you you feel like you've done wrong. But I would like you to rethink kind of what you do is that knee-jerk reaction. Instead of asking God why, what if we ask God where? What if we said, God, who is in here with me that needs my help? What if we ask God, where can I shine my light? Who in here doesn't have your light that needs it? Who can... Who can I shine this on so that they can shine it on others and they can find their way out of the darkness and they won't be alone in the darkness anymore? But I feel like a lot of times, I know I'm guilty. I'm not saying all of us are guilty, but I know a lot of times when darkness and tribulation and struggle comes, I find myself looking inward. In the military, we call it cocooning. And it's whenever you... Focus every bit of energy and attention on yourself to try to get through whatever struggle you're going through. And we really learned about it in the cold in the the uh, Sierra Nevada mountains in Northern California. A lot of us cocooned um, to try to deal with the extreme cold that we were facing. And a lot of times the answer wasn't huddled in our sleeping bag with us. The answer was working together in order to make an environment that was warmer for all of us. Having somebody that would stay up and man the stove 
So that way you could have a little bit of warmth. Having somebody get up and brush the snow off the outside of the tent. Because if that snow closed that tent off, you would suffocate because you would breathe up all the oxygen. So in moments when we wanted to completely retract within ourselves, we had to act selflessly and go outside in the freezing cold in the middle of the night to make sure that everybody else could sleep safely. And I think as Christians, that's what we need to do whenever we find ourselves in darkness, whenever we lose a loved one, whenever we have a loved one battling addiction, whether we're battling addiction ourselves. Anytime we find ourselves in a season of shadow and death, we need to, instead of focusing on ourselves and getting ourselves through it, we need to focus on getting others through it because we have the light. We have the ability to know that we have hope in the end that Jesus Christ has saved us. But there's people out there who don't even have that. And they're going through the same things you're going through. So we say, God, where can we shine this light? God, what can we do in our times of struggling to help someone else? And we can bear that same light that we see here walking into Galilee. And if you don't have that light, that's part of the reason I'm doing this is to try to shine my light. Because I'm not going to act like everything's perfect in my life. I'm not going to act like everything's perfect in this world right now because it's not. Every one of us is facing something. And if you feel like you're facing something that you can't get through alone or that you need some help with or that you need some light, if you're in the darkness and you need some light, don't be afraid to reach out to me, to your friends, to somebody you know that has the light. In times of extreme darkness, I know we can see it. I've seen it when I was struggling in Afghanistan with my mental health. I've seen the light come from people, and I went to them. And they helped me through those times, and they're part of the reason I'm still here. So please, if you're a Christian and you're living this, and you're listening to this, and you're, you're living through darkness, even if you're not in darkness, look for darkness because you have light. And go out there and try to help somebody who doesn't. And if you're listening to this and you don't have light, Jesus Christ died on a cross for you so that you can know eternal life. An eternal life that starts today if you want it to. And he will have so much in store for you and his light will shine on you and you will be able to shine your light on others. So as you can see, this light heading into Galilee here in the book of Matthew chapter 4 verse 12 through 17 is not just any ordinary light. It's a light that has saved countless souls. It's a light that defeats any darkness. It's a light that you can count on. Now I want to take a look at verse 17. And in this verse, we see Jesus begins to preach. And he tells the Jewish people of Israel, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's the message that Jesus began to preach. And I want you to know that there's so many places out there today that make you fear the eternal damnation if you don't find Jesus as your Lord and Savior. They preach the doomsday and out of revelation and they try to scare you into loving Jesus. And I want you to know that that's not what I'm going to do. That's not what I'm here to do. 
I'm going to follow the example that was Jesus and preach the kingdom of heaven at hand. It's not about the bad things that you will get if you don't find Jesus. What we should focus on are the great things that will happen if you do find Jesus. That eternal life that starts today, that's through Jesus. The lack of suffering, the eternal happiness, and the beautiful thing about Christianity is that our love relationships go beyond the physical realm. We carry our love relationships with us into heaven. So the the riches you build here on earth are the relationships that you have with others that are cultivated in love and they will persist. That's the beauty of Christianity. That's that's the beauty of the resurrection is that we don't lose our consciousness whenever we pass on. And the beautiful thing about it now is see Jesus preaching here. Jesus hasn't gone to the cross yet. And he's telling the people of Israel to repent for the for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. But we don't have to repent. There's no works required in this New Testament for us now that Jesus has been the ultimate sacrifice. There's no works required for us to get into heaven. The kingdom of heaven is at hand still. But I need you to understand that it's not anything that you can do good or anything that you've done wrong that's keeping you out of it all it is is your belief in him and your belief in his death burial and resurrection that's all it takes for you to get into heaven it doesn't matter what you've done wrong and it doesn't matter what you've done right you can't hold anything over god and say well i did this so i need to get into heaven the only way to get into heaven is belief in the light that we see walking into Galilee. That is what I urge everyone I talk to about Scripture or the Bible or anything, is that you don't have to do anything Christ did at all. You just have to believe He did it all. So that is it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, Once again, thank you so much for tuning in listening wherever you're listening from thank you so much for listening to us and please feel free to comment or send us a message let you know let us know what you think of the podcast but anyway as usual now i'm gonna pray us out so lord thank you so much for today thank you for giving us a platform to be able to spread your word lord thank you for giving your light to this world Thank you for making your light so bright that we are able to shine it in times of darkness, Lord. Thank you for the growing and understanding that comes to us through through times of darkness and struggling. And please, I pray, Lord, that anybody that's going through darkness, struggling right now that doesn't have that light, has somebody around them who can shine their light on them or who can reach out to somebody that can have that light shown on them so they will never face darkness alone, Lord. Thank you so much for everything you've given us. In your name we pray. Amen.